Welcome back to another episode of the Rec Center. He's Jack Ferris. I'm Lindsay Joy. And Jack, this is usually where I ask you like how you're doing and things, but honestly, I just want to get into Mayor. So before I give you the floor, because I think you're just going to hit us with a lot of thoughts, would be my guess. If you have not watched Mayor of Easttown episode five, hit the skip button. 10 minutes 15 minutes look in the description for when the time is that the other shows kick in because we are going to spoil it it was a huge huge episode and we're going to talk about it jack i told you you were in for a treat did you feel like it was a treat or a trick no no uh fortunately because i didn't watch it sunday night i waited till monday like mid-morning to watch it and i had stayed off of twitter because i knew we were kind of due for some sort of crazy and wild reveal or or in this case death but bo usually te- our friend bo moose texted me like at 8 p.m last night and said hog mayor takes it to another level <laughs> well he, he pretty much sends me that text every other week relating to to mayor of Easttown. so i knew something was going down nothing prepared me for that though okay uh, the death of our beloved character colin zabel may he rest in peace yeah I miss him already. So, okay. I don't know if, do you watch the episode twice? No. Do you go back and watch it again? Okay, I did. And when you do it a second time, it's painfully obvious that, that they're going to kill him off. So, I and I, again, just a quick shout out. I think we've mentioned this podcast on this podcast before, but a quick shout out to The Watch because I listened to their breakdown of it today and they were saying, oh, I knew 20 minutes in. I, first of all, I had not heard... I watched it pretty much when it came out, but I had not heard this was going to be a big episode. I had no idea. I thought episode six out of seven would be the big one. I usually thought we were it. just... The, the, the penultimate's usually the big boy. Yeah. So I was shocked 10 times over because I didn't pick up on all of this. Like Colin Zabel was telling us his whole life story. And so he was obviously getting you know killed later. I didn't pick up on any of that. I did not see any of this coming. I didn't know this was supposed to be a big episode. I thought we were going to be setting up a lot of stuff for next week. So I was shocked in every which way. And like, I'm fully willing to admit, I did not watch his conversation at dinner and think, oh, he's not, he's not making it to episode six. That was not my perception at all. Yeah. Yeah. If you watch it again, you have watch it, it, watching it again, knowing what happens to poor Colin. It's like, oh my God, it was so obvious, which I think is going to be the case. If you go back and rewatch this series after it concludes in two weeks, but what, I loved so much about his death was that it was so sudden and so absolute. It was a, it was, there was a, not a single doubt about it. Bullets straight to the forehead, brains splattered on the wall behind him dead. Like they didn't like get him twice in the chest and he could die talking to mayor and like maybe kill the guy with one shot that when you least expected it. And you know, they have one last conversation he was a gone because I imagine, I mean, I've never been in a shootout, but when you get shot in the head, that's how it is. It's not glorious. It's not glamorous. It's not romantic. It's like stark and real, which is like a microcosm of the show. I loved that. I did too. I absolutely hated his death. Like I said, I was utterly shocked. Even You hated he, it in that it was like, oh my God, like he's dead. Like boom, dead. I hate, yeah. Cause you had no like, time I, to process it. I need more Evan Peters, not less Evan Peters. And so I was completely like i said utterly shocked i didn't see it coming it was like an old-fashioned shootout it was really just that quick like guns draw and it happened like you said in two seconds and i just again as someone who didn't see it coming was 
it was that moment that I haven't really had with TV in a while where I was just completely shocked by something. Um, and so that made it exciting, but I also was really sad that we um, are going to lose him as a character. Cause I just enjoyed, he was kind of comic relief. We, we have enough, but I enjoyed him overall. Um, he was comic relief in the way that he was like a pathetic loser in well, one aspect of his life, but like the super accomplished detective in real life in his professional life. You know what I mean? But his, his personal life is bizarre. The whole poor me, my fiance left me. So I live my, with my mom thing is not exactly attracted to the ladies. I can't imagine. For the most part, I found him quirky and endearing is what I would say. So I think that's like the guy versus girl read. You were like, he is such a loser. And I'm like, he was so charming. Um, and you know, not that he was like winning at life. And I, I did think they did a good job of, of him kind of just being very honest this episode. And um, I just really, I really liked it. Obviously the, the dinner scene was brutal. That date was awkward, but you did kind of get your, like what you wanted from Mayor, which is the part after the dinner, well after the dinner, when Mayor's like, I'm a mess, I'm dealing with all this stuff. You don't want to deal with me. Like that's what you wanted her to say at first, which then he goes, couldn't you just have said that to begin with? Bingo, yeah. bingo, Mayor, grow up. You're being selfish, Mayor. <laughs> and I, the mayor admittedly was being selfish. She was like, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> like she went through great lengths to talk about the case with him. When it's been established, all she has to do is go over to his house and talk about the case anyway. Like she didn't have to go to dinner with him. And when he's talking about the food network stuff, like, yeah, it was rough, rough date stuff for my guy. He just brought uh, humanity into the show that I enjoyed and I will miss for the next two episodes, but we only have two to go. Um, so we'll do a little who do you think done it um in a second any other things about this episode obviously that was the biggest part of it and we've only really talked about his death we didn't talk about the fact that we sort of solved the two missing girls like who did that and i'm assuming that we'll just reunite like dawn the mother will get katie back right we'll see that next episode but obviously there's like one big murder left do you feel resolved in those other two not really because I wasn't, you know, the big thing on my mind has always been Aaron's murder. Mm -hmm. Like this second girl has only been missing for what? Uh, less uh, half an episode. Yeah. So, but so I'm saying, are big, you, it was a big, big payoff to like get them freed, but I, I wasn't really, I wasn't really yearning for it that long. I've, I've, I just found out that Katie was alive. Yeah. Like 45 minutes ago. Yeah, at the yeah. end of the last episode. So I'm, but I'm saying, are you like good with that? You're resolved. That guy did it. He was a bad guy. He had some urges. He took care of them in a very poor way. He kept it, like, <laughs> and that's done. That's one way to put it. He had some urges. <laughs> but I'm just, just a guy being a dude, man. Just, I'm just saying, like, he obviously was a psychopath, a terrible person, all of the above. So, and we don't know anything about him. We have seen him on camera for two minutes. So I got to believe, I got to believe that when they pick up the pieces of this thing, it's going to lead them down the path to Aaron somehow, some way. I still think it's a possibility. It's, they've got to be connected. There's not... no way it's two. I can't believe it's two completely different things. So what? They just put a bow on it. Colin's dead. Okay, back to Aaron. Like we're done? Yeah. So rest in peace, Colin. We love you. We miss you. And then Katie goes back to her mom. This other girl gets reunited with her family. And they say, okay, this guy did it. We're done there. And then... This, they just keep investigating the Aaron case, which is basically at this point, who's the dad? And then we yeah. go from who's the dad, we'll go to who's the killer. And okay. I don't know that they have to be connected to this disgusting man in flannel. I don't know that those two things have to be connected in any way. The man with urges. <laughs> the man with I, urges in the flannel. I 
I'll present to you a theory that steps on your whodunit segment, but I think it's now's the time to do it. Sure. Here's what I think could happen. Floating it out there. Colin's dead. Very sad. Mayor continues the case. She figures out, obviously, Billy Ross has something to do with it. And I want to get to that Billy Ross leaving the Rolling Rock scene in a second because I've got problems with that. I think when it's all said and done, Marin's going to find out. You said Marin. Sorry, Mayor. Sorry. We have a friend named Marin. Mayor is going to find out that Colin actually had something to do with the murder. Posthumously, she's going to find this out. But in order to like save him his dignity and save him his his reputation, she's gonna like scrub the evidence. Does that make sense? Yeah, like so I think, think towards the very end, it's gonna be like, oh my god, Zabel. Wait, Zabel was there that night, or why would he know something like that? That so you think posthumously, you have... and I just wanted to say posthumously a bunch of times on this episode. I think posthumously she's gonna find out that he had something to do with it, and she, and her last act of like being a, a dirty cop is to cover up the fact that her friend and quasi lover had something to do with it. Have you watched it's the little things since we talked about that terrible movie with Denzel Washington and Rami Malek? Is that what you have on the brain? Cause that's like that where they cover up for each other at the end and then it just kind of ends. Yeah. Yeah. No, that movie sucks. It does. But it's terrible. I, I think his influence is going to have something to do in the last two episodes from beyond the grave. Colin's going to have something, something to say. So he's one that I have never thought was involved in same with Guy Pierce. Where are we at with Guy Pierce? Cause I honestly think Guy Pierce has nothing to do with this case. And I think he just showed up, went to a party, hung out with mayor on a, I don't know, college campus, wherever that was. And like, and that was it. I mean, I don't know that we're not going to see him in the final two episodes, but I don't, I don't think this dude's murdering teenagers. A happier, a happy ever after ever after ending would be, you know, they solve the murder let's say end of this next episode, beginning of the finale. And then the last 45 minutes of the finale, they're kind of tying up loose ends. And maybe she settles down with Guy Pierce and it's like two years later and he's written another book and Siobhan is at Cal, you know what I mean? And everyone's mm -hmm. like, everyone's like good. Everyone's healing. The great thing about the show, I could see Siobhan going to Cal or I could see Siobhan staying back and being like, this is just what I have to do. This is where I, because it's so much about, about where and she's from, trapped. Right? And then yeah. again, she's trapped. She's, she's Mayor and Lori again. Yeah. And the show doesn't necessarily give their characters that out. They are still trapped. Speaking of Lori though. So we have to talk. I think what's going to happen is we're going to find out the paternity of Aaron's baby this episode, and then we'll find out who killed her the next episode and i don't know that they're the same person or not obviously mm -hmm. there's some kind of tie but the rolling rock what did you want to say about that because that was just such an obvious the the shot of the rolling rock was very specific it was too obvious so i don't know if they directed that actor who played billy ross to be like all of a sudden be really awkward and really guilty looking pretty much be sweating at like the simplest questions because it was so over the top he knows more than he's letting on. Also, how does Mayor not know that Aaron lived with him for like two months, like a year ago, like 18 months ago? She's been looking into this murder for how long? It's also a small town. In her investigation, how did she not know that? There's said something, it was some things that happen when I'm like, I, I question how good of a detective Mayor is. <laughs> she's She's got a lot on her plate. I... It was so how the baby is probably like 18 months, right? A year and a half, would you guess? I'm bad at babies. I think 
ages. I think they put the baby right at like one or like 13 months or something. So that's why when she said, when was it? He was like, oh, it was three years ago. And you could tell he was lying. It was probably more recently than that. Because like just doing the math on the baby's age, it obviously has something to do with that time. So he was obviously lying about when it was. But he said it was three years ago. Or that could... Or it could be three years ago, and that's kind of when the relationship started. You yeah. know what I mean? Which, and by the way, they're cousins, right? That's at, at least cousins, something like that. That's maybe second, Aaron maybe Mc- second cousins. Benjamin's. Okay, I there's think they're some- second cousins because if your if your parents your parents' cousin is your second cousin, yeah, okay, or so- or first cousin once removed. I don't know how that works. So it's not wrong f- any way you slice it. Yeah, I was gonna say not first cousin, still not okay. Um, so obviously that's going to be a weird thing. I, I don't know if you and I have talked about this on the podcast. I know, um, shout out to Brian Egley. We talked about this, uh, on text. I think John Ross, uh, Lori's husband is either the father or the killer or both. And they made him like super suspicious this episode with like, he's having an affair. Is it who's, who's the woman from before, right? She says this is the same woman from before. Um, there were almost too many things that made him suspicious, but I think he is has to be either one or the other or both another part of that scene because you know they show ryan ross the son acting out and you're trying to figure out why and then you finally understand that he's holding the secret that his dad like unfairly bestowed upon him that his dad's being unfaithful which i guess is you know what at least what they're leading us to believe right now when he's in the cafeteria and those bullies are like assaulting his sister and nobody's doing anything like nobody's stopping the bullying, but then he goes over and like attacks the bully. And all of a sudden there's like eight teachers there in two seconds. Oh like, yeah. Where, that's a- where were the teachers when they were throwing food across the room at a poor girl? I think that that's the, that's just like supposed to paint the picture of just how terrible this town is that they let them do that. But then this, I mean, he, he flat out came in and clocked him with a tray, which was kind of awesome. By the way, I actually really enjoyed that scene. That part- it also, it also mirrored the, hit that uh, mayor put on the flannel guy with urges yeah. it did I, <laughs> book ended okay because you brought him up again do you think the flannel guy with urges looks like tim kalashaw you know tim kalashaw has been sober for like six years now no i didn't know that uh actually yeah. maybe i have six years interesting so um tim kalashaw from around the horn for those who don't watch daytime espn talk shows Dal- in 20 dallas morning dallas morning news yes correct i think i mean still that's what he used to be um, he might just be around the horn at this point. So, um, which I don't know if he's still on that show. Sorry. If you watch it again, just think about how much he looks like Tim Kalshaw. But anyway, completely beside the point. Um, I'm interested to see like when we pick up, where they pick it up with that, how they resolve all of that, and then how quickly we get into... Oh, we haven't even talked about Deacon and Father Mark. Deacon... Wait, Deacon Mark and Father... Deacon, Mark, and Father, it's not Tom. Anyway, the deacon and the priest. Do we think that they're involved? I mean, obviously, we know that de- the deacon saw her that night. Do we think they're involved beyond that at all? No, I think that's a little red herringness. If Me the too. deacon really, I clearly he has some information, just like just like Billy Ross. I still <laughs> I like how you say that is like one name, but it's his Billy Ross. Billy, Billy. Ross. But if either of them pulled the trigger, I'll be disappointed because it's, I feel like there's still too much show left for me to be like, oh, that's totally him. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
in the other one we didn't talk about is Dylan, the boyfriend. They went to the house. They destroyed the yeah. journals. The the um, friend found like a picture or something that she kept. Um, but so there was a obviously a ton of suspects this episode. I still come yeah. away thinking it's John Ross in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. So that is where I'm at. Any other thoughts on episode five, a, an explosive episode of Mary Stone? I do think this. I think whoever killed her didn't set out that night with the intention of killing Aaron. I think there was probably some confrontation that went really wrong. And all of a sudden they were like, oh my God, she's dead. We have to cover it up kind of thing. That's kind of why I think it doesn't have anything to do with the other girls, because I don't think it has anything to do with that profile. She just happened. I don't, I don't even think they had to say that she had a site on the same profile. I, I don't think it has anything to do with any of that. Yeah. In that way, it's going to be very broad churchy. It's going to be like an accidental death, but like, oh my God, how the hell do I explain this? Let's just toss her into a creek. Yeah. Which again, if she tells John Ross, you're the father, somehow he freaks out, tosses her into a creek. And then here we are. Um, or like maybe she was defending somebody, but maybe because she lost her finger, right? So maybe she like put a hand on a gun to try to stop it. And then her finger got shot off and then the ricochet came back and hit her in the head or something. I don't know. But I yeah, feel like I, obviously her, cause you don't just shoot fingers off all willy nilly. I think that finger was on the gun when the trigger was pulled. So maybe she was like defending somebody. Maybe I'm just thinking out loud here, baby. Maybe the Ross cousins were together, her uncle and her, her dad's cousin. And John Ross found out that Billy Ross was the father and got, and he was drunk because he was at um, the dad's Frank's engagement party. Engagement party. And that's one thing Frank's we haven't engaged. talked about is John and so Ross maybe, and maybe he just had a gun. He's like, you, you're what you sick F and like pulled the trigger and Aaron trying to defend, put the finger on the, yeah, maybe that's how it went down. That's actually a lot more likely. I mean, and I will say with this show, we can, I, Clearly, I'm not good at predicting based on the scenes, like who's going to die. But I don't think you can apply logic from something like Broadchurch to the show only because it it has been very different. But there is a good chance that there is something like that, like a group. It wasn't we think it's one person who's the one person that killed her, whereas like it's multiple people that know this whole time. It's been multiple. Yeah, people. I don't think it's first degree murder, meaning, you know, I don't yeah. I don't think somebody woke up that day thinking I am killing Aaron tonight. I, except for that one mean girlfriend who's terrible, but she's, um, I feel like out of the picture at this point, Dylan's, but she might have, she might have a little character arc building now because she might go to the cops and say, Hey, Dylan's not being completely upfront mm -hmm. with you. I don't like him, but I don't think he, um, did it. So, okay. Anything oh, else? a little, little side note, mm -hmm. the, um, mayor's estranged quasi daughter-in-law who's trying to get custody. Mm-hmm the daughter of Kevin Bacon and Kara Sedgwick. Oh, she yep. has a familiar face. Has she, is she an actress? She's been in like, things? she's been like the seventh name in a bunch of like meh movies. This she is definitely... by far her highest profile gig. So just because you mentioned the son, the only other note I had was we talk about these moments that are like so real. We didn't talk about the affair reveal, which was hilarious. Um, but these other little moments that are just like so real and human and lived in the part where, um, first of all, the part where he's like, I left my turtle and Mary's like, Oh no, he's probably crapping all over the house or whatever. But then also the part when they're all, I think they're watching the game. They're all in the house and the kid just comes running in backwards. Like he's, cr yeah. 
instead of just like a kid walking in and yeah and the kid instead of the kid walking in and being like i want to go to bed the kid like army or like mountain climber crawls and in backwards into the scene like it just it's funny stuff like that that they do that really no one else does that makes me so happy i had this thought that that kid's like four or five maybe he's so cute. like yeah. he's so cute and he's he does a pretty good job mm-hmm. like he's following direction well there's a couple of times when his his line deliveries are, are not great but for the most part he's a believable kid in like a crazy house they're asking him to take on a lot for sure so all right. I, again, I love this episode. We will be doing this for the next two weeks, um, six and seven. And I'll probably, I might rewatch it all before seven, but we'll see. Okay. I'm going to have you go first. Cause I have two kind of back to back again, cause they're a similar vein. So I'm going to have you start if that okay. is okay with you. What's your first rec? Uh, I did two movies this, this go around. First one I did those who wish me dead, which is all over HBO max right now. Mm-hmm. The Angelina Jolie, John Bernthal, Smoke Jumper movie. This is an example of, if this was four or five years ago, this is a movie that would have been advertised on every NBA game for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And by the time it came around, I probably would have been so sick of it. I would have had no desire to go see it. As it was, there was absolutely zero advertisement because they don't have to do that anymore. It was just immediately available on HBO. Angelina Jolie, John Berthal, Littlefinger. I'm in. I watched it and it was just, it was just a fun ride. It was excellent in that sense. It was suspenseful. The action was believable. Uh, the pace was perfect. I never once was thinking, is that is something ever going to happen? Are they going to connect these storylines? They connected so quick. It's great for what it is. Uh, did you watch it? Have you seen it? No, it's on my list, but I had too many good things I wanted to watch. So it, it took a back seat. Um, this is one of their, like, it would be in theater. Like, this would be a theatrical release. It is in theaters. It is in theaters. Okay, so this is like, it's Wonder Woman 84, the same kind of thing, right? Where they're, yeah. it's probably only on for a month, right? Or am I wrong? Yeah, yeah, okay. it's only on for a month. So I'll I'll do it in, so it's just an enjoyable, like you you recommend it. So yeah, I I do. It's uh, Taylor Sheridan, who's fifty. Oh. Yeah, the guy behind Yellowstone. Yeah, Taylor Sheridan. Um, he wrote Sicario. Ever heard of it? Hell or High Water. Seen that. Don't tell anyone. You never seen? No, I know. It's it's one that I've wanted to see and should see. Sicario? I don't. Sicario. I think it's one that you just have to pay for at this point, right? Like I oh, don't Sicario think is incredible. I don't think it, it honestly might be on Amazon. I can. Denny Villeneuve. Denny Villeneuve's like finest work. Uh, I've heard nothing but good things. So he wrote and directed this movie. The only other movie he's ever written and directed is Wind River. Mm -hmm. I've seen that. Jeremy Renner, Elizabeth Olsen movie. If you liked that, you'll love this. I did. The the problem I had with Wind River is because I was expecting a whodunit. You know what I mean? Because it's kind of built that way. Jeremy Renner has to solve the murder of his friend's daughter who's this, you know, Native American chick. The fact that she's Native American is important to the storyline because the major themes are like, you know, the difference between the haves and the have-nots in places like Wyoming and near reservation lands. Anyway, the whodunit part is like, oh, this chick's dead. Let's go check in on her deadbeat brother. Deadbeat brother doesn't know anything, but deadbeat brother's like, oh, go check her new boyfriend. And then boom, case was solved. But the more you 
watch Wind River, the more you realize that, that it's not the whodunit part isn't the point. It's the action and like the setting of middle of nowhere, Wyoming in the winter. So it's like that, but summertime in Montana. And it is awesome. As someone who has lived in the middle of Wyoming in the winter, um, I always appreciate a wide open spaces kind of movie TV show. That's honestly the only reason I watched Big Sky was the beauty shots just got me. And it was David E. Kelly. But the show was not good. The beauty shots, phenomenal. Uh, yeah. Sicario is available on Amazon. You just got to pay $3.99. So I feel like it's probably worth $3.99. I just haven't done it. I just haven't. This- this guy Taylor Sheridan is 50 years old. He just started writing like seven years ago. And it's like, where have you been, dude? He's, have, he's, he's got a little niche now. And it's obviously like contemporary Westerns. Have you watched Yellowstone? I don't know if we've talked about that on this. Yeah. Show. Yellowstone's pretty good. Okay. Same kind of themes as the haves and the have nots in so, Wind River. But this is definitely not like a class movie. This is not. And Hell or High Water is, you know, commentary on banks and how evil they are, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. There's no like macro socioeconomic themes in this movie it's just badassery john bernthal being a bad dude and little finger being evil and nicholas holt you you froze a little when you said nicholas holt holt well, i was just holding the vowel on nicholas oh, holt gotcha i could i could i didn't know if there was like a second syllable to that uh last name i'm not gonna edit that out i'm gonna leave that in i didn't know angelina was out there working I didn't know. I'm not sure she was right for this movie because, yeah, maybe she, maybe she was. I just I don't, what's, the, what's the last movie she's done? What's the last I can't, she's done? couldn't even tell you. I didn't look it up. Didn't look it up. I will say that there's a version of this movie that is like 45 minutes longer because at the base of it, there's like this mob boss who needs certain people exterminated because they have information on them. And a longer version of the movie is John Bernthal and Angelina Jolie trying to unravel the conspiracy while contacting like Anna Kendrick at the Miami Herald. And Anna Kendrick is like some disillusioned reporter who's tired of doing human interest stories and wants to get into crime. So Anna Kendrick is in this not movie? A, not like enemy of the state kind of thing. She's in this movie. No, she's not in this movie. I'm just, you were, I'm you were adding... Out. You were adding to it. Okay. I didn't know if there's a okay. longer, there's a, a longer, more fun version of this movie that adds like the, the, the mystery of the, the conspiracy. I gotcha. Um, okay. So I, I will watch it at some point. Oh no, I have to sneeze. Um, I'll watch it at some point in the next, uh, few weeks because I, like I said, I think it's like the little things where it's on now and then it's gone in a month. Right. Yeah, it's cool. And again, like I said, if, if this had been advertised for two months and I had my expectations built up, I probably wouldn't have loved it. But because I knew absolutely nothing about it, I hadn't even seen a preview. I was like, this is fun. I'm just having a good time on a Saturday night. We've talked a lot about Netflix doing that. It's kind of crazy that an Angelina Jolie movie, even in the times we're in, doesn't get promoted at all. Because I didn't hear about it until either right when it dropped. And I follow HBO Max on Instagram. And I see like all their promos, all their whatever. And I didn't hear about this until right before yeah. it dropped. They I, probably- because I, don't, I don't think they have to. The numbers no. don't lie. They don't have to spend a dollar on advertisement when people are going to watch it anyway. I do think one thing they do is they release titles that are coming out. Like this is art because they do a quote unquote movie a week, right? I think they they probably say what titles are coming. So we might have been able to like crack the code there. But like I said, I did not even know Angelina Jolie was like on set filming anything anywhere in the last five to 10 years since before the Brad divorce. I did not know 
she's just out there acting uh, HBO Max movies. Yeah, this looked like a COVID production film because it's almost all outdoors and there's never more than like four people in a scene. Isn't it funny when you can tell that they're social distancing mm-hmm. in a scene but it's like not acknowledged, but you can tell like, oh, the two main characters are near each other and everyone else is far away when they shouldn't be. Yeah. I mean, you probably wouldn't notice it if you weren't a psycho like you or me and looking for it, but you could totally tell. And if you watch it now, you're gonna be like, oh yeah, they're like, yeah, they have a gun on each other, but they're like seven feet apart. Okay. got it. You will. I think people, if they, if people haven't noticed, I do think you'll start to notice just little scenes here and there. Not everything was filmed in COVID or I'm sure that there was other regulations later on, but anyway. Okay. So mine are going to be two back-to-back ones and I'm pretty sure you've heard of one of them. I don't know if you've heard of both. This is the first time I believe we've ever done a Peacock network recommendation. Mm. So aside from the office, which lives on Peacock, uh, Yellowstone, I think also lives on Peacock. There is Paramount. No, but that's the network, but I think it lives. I think it lives. Google this while I give a quick spiel on these two shows. I think Yellowstone lives on Peacock. Anyway, there's not a ton there that has drawn me to it, but they just recently in the last month released two comedies. One is called Girls 5 Eva. And this is a show that was served to me in ads through my algorithm in like every which way. It was like Instagram ads, Xfinity ads, like just everything I saw. The, the just the one shot for this or like random promos everywhere. So I did, at first I was hesitant, but watching it, it is such an enjoyable show. It's Tina Fey executive produced and it definitely has like the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, 30 Rock dialogue vibes. Even though Tina Fey is not writing all of these shows, there's a certain way the characters in her shows talk where it's like, if you're not listening to every piece of dialogue, you're going to miss five jokes every scene. So it's just funny. It's enjoyable. It's low stakes. It's a girl band. Basically, if if the Spice Girls, well, I guess they kind of did, got back together now um, and tried to like bring back the good old days. They were basically a one-hit wonder. So a little different than Spice Girls. Um, It's hilarious. Sarah Bareilles is the main girl. Busy Phillips. Who else am I forgetting? It's just like you'll recognize the people. It's an entertaining. It's eight episodes, 30 minutes. Super easy watch. What was the thing I was going to have you Google? Oh, yeah. Uh, Yellowstone is on Peacock. Yellowstone's on Peacock. So, and here, oh, here's the other thing about Peacock. You just like make an account. It's free. Um, it's, you have to watch ads though, right? It's ad supported. Um, and I don't know if there's an ad free option, which would be what you pay for. Um, I'm pretty sure it's still at this point, just you watch the ads. But it's like, aren't, I don't know, aren't we all kind of used to like watching a two 30 second ads in between? You know what kills me though? Is this day and age? Same with Amazon. So we grew up with watching movies on, you know, TBS, TNT, whatever. And they surgically would cut in the ads in like an appropriate spot. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. in between two scenes and it would like make sense to go to commercial at certain spots. Nowadays on like Amazon, it'll cut like right in the middle of some dramatic, they don't even, they don't, they don't care to look where they put their commercials. They'll cut right in the middle of a scene and it'll be the same like 90 minute Geico commercial followed by a state farm commercial followed by, you know, a drive Lexus commercial. It'll, they'll, it, that that's brutal. 
The craziest thing about Peacock is I have seen ad campaigns that I've seen a million commercials for. Um, Jake from State Farm, you know, like the Drake from State Farm one um, that you've seen the ones with Chris Paul, like the million different versions of that. There is one with a talking dog that I have never seen air on cable during a game because I watch sports or commercials during sports, right? I have never seen this one air. I saw it a hundred times when I was watching Girls 5 Ever. So you're 100% correct. It is the same commercial over and over. I will say with Hulu, they cut their shows with commercial breaks now. So if it's like Hulu's handmaids. Good it. Hulu's good. Well, they cut because they're, if you do have the ad service. Yeah. Anyway, Peacock, you have to watch ads. They're one minute. They're quick. You will get very annoyed of Jake from State Farm and the Talking Dog, but it's worth it. Girls 5 Eva is like just an enjoyable four hours of your life. The other one is Rutherford Falls. Have you heard of this one? I have not. It's not been promoted anywhere. Ed Helms. Um, it's Michael Schur, the good place. He's, um. okay, now I have to look this up. He is, what's the Amy Poehler one? Not the office. Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec. So he's co-created Parks and Rec, created the good place. Also worked on Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Master of None, which by the way, it's coming back soon. Um. So that's the shows I just read to you. It's not as good as Parks and Rec. That's like the comedy of it. It's it's like that's the style of comedy. It's Ed Helms, obviously, from, I mean, The Office, among other things. And it's entertaining. It's a guy who is from Rutherford Falls, New York, a small town in the middle of nowhere in New York. And his last name is Rutherford. So his ancestor, there's a statue of him in the middle of town and they want to take it down. So it's like, oh, I've seen an ad for this. Yeah. So that's how they get into it. But they, and they acknowledge recent world events, but they don't want to take the statue down because he was racist. They want to take it down because it's literally in the middle of a road and people oh, keep crashing into it. That's funny. And so they're trying to take it down so that cars stop crashing into it. And he's like, you can't take it down. It's our history. Our history is so important. And so it's like, it's parody of, I mean, basically just the world that we live in. Um, but it's good. It's, it's funny. It's, if you're going to watch one or the other, a hundred percent watch girls five Eva. If you finish girls five Eva, <laughs> I don't know why it's such a funny title to say, if you finish that one and you want another one to watch and you're on Peacock and you've accessed it and it's been easy and the commercials don't drive you crazy. Rutherford falls is like a lukewarm recommendation, but it's, it's enjoyable. It's, it's definitely worth it. try an episode. Um, but I strongly recommend girls five Eva done moving on yeah when you said rutherford falls it reminded me of another uh ed helms vehicle which is uh cedar rapids you ever seen cedar rapids is that a movie it's incredible it's a movie it's absolutely incredible i don't it. want to say too much but cedar rapids it is so funny uh moving on i watched a very bad movie that happens to be the number one thing in america via netflix right now Oh, Woman in the Window. Yep. That's the one. Guess what? You haven't watched it. I haven't watched it, but I read the book. So oh. I'm going to watch it. That um the other one on my list this week is Hacks. Hacks. Oh yeah. Angelina with, Jolie um, with Jeans. My, my parent, my my mom and dad are into hacks. Shout out mom and dad. Those are my three top of my list, Angelina Jolie Hacks and Women in the Window. So you can spoil it because I know what happens, but um okay. I wrote down in my notes here um ellipses dot 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 what 
Question mark. <laughs> Woman in the window is um it's pretty much ripping off rear window. Uh just not as good of a version. I'm gonna get into the author of the do you know about the controversy surrounding the author of this book? Is it Gillian Flynn? No, it's AJ Finn. Oh, <laughs> who's Gillian? Anyway, um, maybe. All right. Anyway, anyway, sounds like you don't. Anyway, what are we doing, Amy? Amy Adams? What are we doing? She's proven that she can play a tortured woman who pops pills and drinks booze. Like that, it's time to move away from that corner, Amy Adams. Yeah, she's an outstanding actress. I don't know why she keeps doing these roles. The cast is unbelievable. It's Gary Oldman, Julianne Moore, Wyatt Russell, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee for some reason is in this movie. She's got like three lines. It probably cost them $5 million to produce because it's all in some like Manhattan mansion. But this movie sucks. And you could tell from a million miles away the the twists and turns. Um Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie must have some Netflix deal going on because he's been in some dog shit Netflix movies. Sorry for swearing. You're okay. And Anthony Mackie's great. I, I don't know why he's doing these movies. Yeah, I love Anthony Mackie. What is he in this? Is he oh he's the cop. He's the cop. He's not the cop. Oh. Okay. Anyway, okay. it's <laughs> it's uh, it I think anyone who's wa- and this clearly this author, I thought it was the same author who wrote uh, girl on the train. Cause it's the same kind of vein, mm-hmm. you know, it's this, it's woman who's been wronged by a man and she likes to booze and she's telling her story, but you can't quite believe her because she, you know, abuses drugs and alcohol, et cetera, et cetera. It's not, it was written by AJ Finn. And if you look up, thank God I went down this rabbit hole, like right before we started doing this podcast, because AJ Finn is a 42 year old man. This is the only book he's ever written. And let me just read to you what his Wikipedia page states, not making this up. This is so good. And this goes, this totally backs up my thought, how this movie book is like an unoriginal POS. Daniel Mallory. It's weird that a man wrote this book too, because it's definitely like strong female voice, et cetera. Daniel Mallory is an American editor and author who writes under the name A.J. Finn. His 2018 novel, The Woman in the Window, debuted at number one on the New York Times bestseller list and has been adopted into a feature film. Great. Next sentence. Mallory came to attention in 2019 for lying extensively about his past in order to excuse personal shortcomings and illegitimately further his literary work and career. (laughs) Movie, Hold on. It gets so much better. In February 2019, an article in The New Yorker exposed Mallory as having fabricated numerous aspects of his life and career, including having earned a doctorate from the University of Oxford, having suffered from cancer and a brain tumor, having lost his mother to cancer, having lost his brother to suicide, and of borrowing heavily from the 1995 thriller film Copycat without attribution in his debut novel. How? What kind of sociopath do you have to be to lie about your mother dying of cancer, his mother was alive, his brother dying of suicide, brother very much alive, and getting a doctorate from Oxford. How 
do you think you're going to get away with that? Like, what is this guy thinking? This is why I love catfish, though. This guy needs to be in jail. Like, what in the hell is this guy's problem? So this is really his only book. It's his only book. And it, it's, it sounds like he stole completely from Copycat. I've never seen the 1995 thriller Copycat. I, yeah, I don't know what that um, movie is. Like I said, having read the book, it's unoriginal in the sense that it's like every other thriller. But it's not because the what actually happens to me, I, there's no plot points where I was like, oh, they took that from blah, blah, blah. Like I, but I don't, I've never seen that movie, obviously. I would say the end when you get into like the murder part of it, it's unearned. It's like, and maybe it's different in the book. Maybe he fleshes it out a little bit better. But in the movie, it's like, huh? What? what? Okay, I guess. Can I, um, if you haven't watched The Woman in the Window, skip ahead 15 seconds. Nope, skip ahead 30 seconds. I'm going to give you two seconds to do that. I'm pretty quick with my iPhone when a, a commercial comes on. But just yes or no, did the son do it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's completely like, huh? What? Yeah. It was unearned in the book too, but I did hear there were big differences. If you um, skipped ahead 30 seconds, welcome back. If you, the it was unearned in the book, but I was okay with that because everything else about it was good. It was a page turner. So it's like you're reading her diary and she is a very unreliable narrator. So you're trying to figure out what's true and false. And it just went, it was a really fast read. It was, I don't know. It was interesting enough. It's a classic like book club read. We, me. Yeah. Yeah. You could tell that. It definitely moves. Yeah. And if you're watching it, I think for the first like 15, 20 minutes, you're going to be like, what was Jack talking about? This is fun. Like I'm having fun watching this. And then you get, there's like a reveal midway through when you're like, well, I saw that coming, you know? Oh and, yeah. Okay. And I'm, I'm still going to watch it. <laughs> yeah. It just, it, it's like, man, you get to the end. I found like the last 25 minutes. I was like, can this please be over? Like the, the action scene between Amy Adams and one of the characters towards the end is so bad. So, so bad. That's another thing that was bad in the book too. It, was, it really was the ending that was disappointing, but everything else was good. Um, the I liked her relationship with, is it Julianne Moore or who's the woman? Julianne Moore. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing. Julianne Moore, Amy Adams, two of my Mount Rushmore of redheads are in this movie and this movie just sucks. You saying the Amy Adams thing reminds me of an Isla Fisher quote one time, which was someone was like, she was like, oh, were you in this movie? Someone said to her, were you in this movie? And she's like, oh, if it was bad, it was Amy Adams. But if it was good, it was me. That's like, genius. Isla. Shout out to Isla. Um, Isla never Isla. would have taken this role. She has to live in it. Uh, she was probably wouldn't have, offered, wouldn't have offered it to her, unfortunately for Isla. If there's a movie with Gary Oldman and Julianne Moore, the lead is not going to be Isla Fisher, unfortunately for Isla. I love Isla Fisher. Would you she, like to know my other two redheads? You know, oh, was it the Mount Rushmore? Was that what it was? Mm -hmm. And so we have to complete the Rushmore? Okay, what was the mm -hmm. other two? Wait. You want to guess? Julianne Moore, BDH, Bryce Ellis Howard? No, she's close though. She's Chris, right there with Isla Fisher. Christina Hendricks? No. It's um, very obvious. One's very obvious and actually both are very obvious. Redheads, not Julianne Moore, not... I got nothing. Nicole Kidman. Oh, okay. Jessica Chastain. So BDH, sorry, I don't know. It's easier to say that than to the mouthful of Bryce Dallas Howard and Christina Hedricks and Jessica Chastain. Actually, it was really Bryce Dallas Howard and Jessica Chastain that people confused for a while. For a while, yeah. So and with Isla Fisher and Amy Adams. Exactly. For sure. 
Um, okay, we'll move on from here. I am still going to watch this movie. I'm just curious to see. I did hear there were differences, so I'm curious to see what the differences are. Um, but the, I agree with you. The ending in the book was a little hokey as well. My last rec is Crime of the Century on HBO Max. Probably also on HBO. Have you watched this or are you going to watch it? I did. I watched it. It was okay. good. I, it, it didn't really resonate too much with me because I it was like far from shocking. It was so, like, oh, corrupt pharmaceutical companies profited off lower income people dying. You know? Yes. <laughs> it was nice that they like definitively said, like named names kind of thing. There have been a lot of mini docs, a lot of obviously news pieces over the last, I mean, this stuff was going on like mid 2000s. They were like, oh, the Bush administration. So this, you know, this stuff has been going on for a while. Purdue Pharma was recently in the news for a settlement. So if you have paid attention to news at any time in the last 15 years, you have an idea of what this documentary is about. It's, um, is it Alex Gibney or Gibney? It's probably Gibney. Um, he is the, I think it's Gibney. Gibney. I think it's Gibney. He also directed the going clear, the Scientology one, which you should definitely watch if you have not seen. And the inventor, the Elizabeth Holmes one, which I loved and you should watch if you have not seen. Um, it is, it's not exact. I mean, they did a good job with characters. It's not exactly fast moving. It's a two part, two hour each. So it's four hours of documentary and it's pretty comprehensive about the opioid crisis in America. So that's what I was going to say is there's been other like little tidbits, mini docs, but this is a pretty comprehensive doc of how the Sacklers did what they did. So it's called the crime of the century. And essentially the crime is them saying that the slow release aspect of their tablets made it so that people wouldn't get addicted. Like they were trying to pass that off as a medical fact. And it's obviously not a medical fact. And because of like that one small thing they were able to then mass produce, you know, give these out like it was candy, get people addicted and just make billions of dollars. Literally. I mean, I think at one point they said they were worth 10 billion as a family. Oh, easy as a family. And then the company was like hundreds of billions, but the actual family who really took advantage of this um, was worth 10 billion. And there have been settlements, but there, there were times when they would just get like a slap on the wrist settlement where it's like, oh, you have to pay a $34 million fine for this one phrasing you said that was wrong at 34 million to these people is nothing. So yeah, it was like the price of doing business. Literally they, yeah. they refer to it as a speeding ticket. It's like an operational cost. Yeah. And we, you knew that, right? Like you knew that going mm -hmm. in, but I thought they just did a good job, like comprehensively of saying this, these are all the people that affected. It. it wasn't just in West Virginia. It wasn't just in these places where you've really heard about it. They also went to Salt Lake city, a doctor at a clinic there that had more than a hundred patients OD, which is <laughs> completely insane. Um, so I thought they did. Like, it's. Would you agree that it's worth watching, or were you underwhelmed? It's. It's definitely worth watching in that. So many times, I think a lesser documentarian would have just focused on the people who were harmed and the doctors who were against this the whole time but he gets so many people on the side of big pharma to like defend their stance that it's like a fair look at it. You know what I mean? It's obviously very damning to big pharma and companies like McKesson, et cetera, et cetera. But um, he does a really good job at showing you both sides of it. And like, look, some of these like middle management pharmaceutical sales people are like, 
I was making so much money. You know, I had my family to support, et cetera, et cetera. Like I, I kind of knew it was not the greatest thing in the world, but like I, I was, I couldn't afford not to do it. Yeah. Um, so it is it, a crazy vicious cycle. It's a heck of a window into pharmaceutical sales <laughs> and how that one sales guy gives you a real breakdown of, um, oh, the Florida guy. Well, he's Massachusetts, but he looks like Florida. He definitely looks like he's from. Doesn't he get the stripper to work for him? That's that guy. That's he's in Massachusetts. He was, well, his, his case was in Massachusetts. I think oh, okay. was it Florida? He, he, he got the Florida stripper to work for him and she like kicked ass. Yes. I, for some reason thought he was tried in Massachusetts, but whatever that man is, should be a Floridian, whether he is or is not. Also, the other thing I, the note I had was country roads montage with shots of drugs and beauty shots in West Virginia was a hundred percent guarantee. Like you knew going in that that montage was coming and it hit sometime in the first episode, I think. Um, But that's like kind of the classic thing we've seen, like the opioid crisis in West Virginia. So you put like, again, these beauty shots of the state, mixed in with these really sad shots of of the drug and heroin crisis there and you said it to country roads and it's just like i've seen this movie before but overall i hadn't seen like again the the, the full package yeah um gibney's really good at what he does the first 50 minutes is excellent when they do kind of like the montage of the history of opioids and how it's like been a thorn in the side of every civilization since it's been discovered Mm -hmm. um and how the exposition, like opening title cards where you have to read about the stats are on like abandoned billboards and stuff around like broken parts of America. Mm-hmm. Uh, really original, like creative way to do that. It is good filmmaking um, and it's very informational. Like you're going to learn some stuff about where the poppy plant. No, what's it called? It's not poppy. Is it poppy? Yeah, it's poppy. Poppy yeah. plant. You're going to learn all about that. Um, and yeah, I just like, I thought it was an interesting, as far as documentaries go, it's exactly what I wanted. Um, it was also very sad. I will say this might be a controversial take, but as a guy who's gone through three back surgeries, uh, thank God for serious, serious pain pills. I don't know if we need fentanyl. We may not. I mean, that's crazy stuff. But uh, those of you who have spent some sleepless, painful nights know what I'm talking about. Like, Sometimes you need those goddamn pain pills. Jack needs his happy pills. No, I know you've had insane, 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 insane back problems. Um, and that's, I mean, that's the other part of it too. It's like, it's this horrible thing. It's this, they're saying it's the crime of the century. And essentially what they were doing was making pills for people to be able to sleep. But that's where I think the gray area, which it's pretty black and white. I mean, they were pretty bad about what they did, but I think the gray area just in general makes anything more interesting and makes it more. These are not cocaine dealers who are Mexican cartels sending the stuff up to, you know, from Mexico to California, but the documentary kind of draws the parallels and, um, yeah, it just, we're checking out anything else on that one. That was my last rec. And I think, did you have one more? I do have one more, but it's an incomplete assignment. Okay. What is your incomplete assignment? I watched the first episode a half and a half of, um, the underground railroad. Oh, and it is, haunting the style in which it's shot it yeah if you watch like the first 10 minutes you know what i'm talking about it's like it's a creepy creepy watch and you know obviously it's it's based on a book but in this uh in this retelling of history there's an actual underground railroad 
which is an interesting choice. Yeah. <laughs> and there's okay. like conductors and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. I haven't so really got, I, it's not fully based in reality. Like it's like, no, no, it's not. There's literally an underground railroad. Okay. This is the Barry Jenkins. It's Amazon prime. Correct. Amazon prime. Yeah. It's, it's some brutal, brutal slavery stuff going on. So I wouldn't watch it with the kids. So as someone who is watching handmaids and binging handmaids right now, I'm six episodes in incredibly interesting, but it's so heavy and so dark. I don't know that I can take on any more. Like I should have watched handmaids. <laughs> this is my recommendation. Watch a few episodes of handmaids and then watch girls five Eva. I did it in reverse. Um, I don't know that I can take on the underground railroad right now. Like I think that that's something I have to revisit later. And I think that that one will live in perpetuity on Amazon if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. It's not going anywhere. I think Barry Jenkins has an Amazon deal. Um, and also to your point to Handmaid's Tale, all my dudes who think less of me for being into Handmaid's Tale have clearly not watched Handmaid's Tale because Handmaid's Tale is violent as hell. It is oh, yeah. wild and wacky. Oh, it's in this show is is insane. I know that it's based on a book. I don't know how close to the book it is. Whoever it's like the first season. It's like the first season. Is close is and then the it book. deviates. Yeah. Whoever came up with this, like Margaret Atwood or whoever was involved in the Hula show, like is off their rocker insane crazy like this the show is nuts it's also incredibly compelling and i binge it because i can't stop watching but it's also so heavy and i just oh. want to like come out of the hole of of it welcome to the year 2016 Lindsay. good to have you i know that was it's a lot of um it takes you back a little bit um okay so i'm gonna binge the handmaid's tale a little bit more i'm gonna watch hacks i'm gonna watch whatever other shows i mentioned I've got a lot going on. There's a pink documentary coming out. We know that I love Who produced it? Doc. Who produced it? I don't know. Um, good question. I don't know. Probably pink. I won't watch it if pink did it. Sorry, pink. I'll, um, I don't care, to be honest with you. <laughs> she's an interesting one because she's incredibly she, famous. She's incredibly famous and successful, but also less in the public eye. Less in the public eye than most celebrities. She, she chooses where like how much exposure she has and i think she chooses to stay under the radar a little bit more than if, others if if she had final cut i'm not watching it because it probably sucks i will find that out for you and i'll tell you it comes out in a couple of days all right um we are done here any other thoughts for the week any hopes and dreams for mayor coming up next week i just um god good, good question hopes and dreams i hope mayor's okay <laughs> i hope i hope we're in I always like when out of nowhere, there's a smash cut to what actually happened that night and we get to watch it. You know what I mean? With Aaron? There's a smash cut to a flashback of what actually happened. I like when that happens. Right. But if they find a way to do it without doing that trope, I'm good. But that's that's a trope that always delivers in my book. All right. We will see. Um, what happens it's going to be a couple weeks before she rides off into the sunset with guy pierce but we'll see what happens on the pen ultimate episode coming up next week and we will be back next week see you then